Sounds good. One, two, three. Cash Color Camp is a high level of conversation. Um, today we get a, a chance to speak with the youngest black man to own a dispensary. And um, I know that sounds like an amazing title, but really the, the, the way he got to where he is is actually the real story here. So, and that's my man, Sayun Adidajai. Sayun, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing great, King. How you doing? Bro, I'm doing amazing, man. Like I said, this is um, a conversation I've been wanting to have for a while. I've really been interested in, in the story itself is how you got to where you are with Elevate and, you know, just your presence in the industry being a black man in itself. So um, I'm, I'm really ex excited to get to this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. No doubt. No doubt, man. All right, so first off, for those who don't know or aren't uh, familiar with yourself, um, please introduce yourself and tell us um, what you do. Yeah, my name is Sharon Data G. I'm the founder and CEO of Elevate Cannabis. We're a multi-state operator with locations in Oregon and Massachusetts. Um, I started my cannabis journey uh, originally from Lagos, uh, Nigeria. I migrated to Chicago, Illinois at a very early age, at the age of five. Um, I didn't have a wholesome home, so I was a kid selling candy in school. Like, bro, I know you like Alexis. I got some gun for you. What's up? And I was selling is from selling gum. I upgraded to selling weed. Uh, I got arrested for marijuana possession at the age of 13, really early age. And that really started my relationship with cannabis. And I always had a hustler mindset. I was audacious, especially when you grow up where we grow up, you can't be scared. You know, if you're scared, you get, your, you get beat, you know, so you had to, you, you, you got to grow some tough skin. So, um, so, you know, being audacious, going after what I want really, you know, helped me, molded me to be the man that I am today. So all my trials and tribulation when I was a kid getting kicked out of school, speaking my mind, speaking up when the teacher said something, you know, all that is helping me now. So, so it all worked out, but you know, we doing good. Um, you know, I opened my first shop with $50,000 in Eugene, Oregon. I got rejected for two years and, um, you know, I made it happen with just 50,000 when everybody said you need a meal. I slept in my shop for a year, worked from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. I didn't take no for an answer. I got rejected, but I didn't let that stop me. Yeah, and gladly it didn't stop you because right now you are, like I said, a prominent person in the canvas space, especially from a, a, a black perspective, man. It's important to have brothers like yourself in, in the space that you are. Um, I love how you brought out the fact that you were you you came from Nigeria and you ended up in Chicago at an early age. That was a transition in itself. Like, what was it like having to get even adjusted to, to Chicago, even at the age of five? Like, I'm pretty sure you noticed early that this moves a lot faster. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was different, you know, going from Africa, our money grew on tree in America, you know what I mean? We thought <laughs> the, was the like, you know, Mecca, there would be money everywhere. You know, I never seen white people before in my life, you know, in Africa, everybody black and black, you feel me? So I came out there to Chicago, I'm like, big wide eyes. And the thing was, I had a thick accent you know, coming from Africa. So, you know, just learning and the miseducation and, you know, so, you know, got bullied because it was like, you had a big accent. So it was like African booty scratch and different things like that. But later on, I, I you know, you just, you just got to fight. People start respecting you. You know, I got in trouble because of that. But, you know, I, outside of that, it was beautiful, man. Coming to Chicago, was, it was definitely life changing. It's crazy you mentioned that. You know, I'm from Boston, and I remember um, when I was in elementary school, we started getting um, Haitian Haitians came to the country. Then you start seeing more Jamaicans, and it was crazy how we 
American born blacks were taken to blacks from other places, especially when it came to the accent. It was almost like we were our biggest bullies. Like we saw somebody else who might be underneath us and say, get them. Yeah, that, that's really what it was. It's like I had an accent. Yo, my accent was terrible, bro. <laughs> like you would have been like, Phil, what you saying, bro? <laughs> you would have been like, what? It was really, I, you know, I, I was straight from the motherland and um, it was it was interesting. It was it was very interesting. But um, I, you know, I kind of grew up a lot of my really close friends were African-American. I got really in tune with just the culture. Um, I fell in love with it. And, you know, it's just a struggle. Just, you know, I can never take away anything uh, from the African-Americans that are here in the United States uh, because they they paved the way for people like myself. You get what I'm saying? Like, regardless of the bullying and different things like that, the, the trauma, that everybody has experienced out here is it's like, you know, I'm, 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 I, I wouldn't be the man that I am without the sacrifice of the grace, like Martin King, just so forth and so on. And just people that have been out here. So um, I'm grateful because that that's how I've been able to have a voice and be able to go after this cannabis license in a very highly regulated state um, industry. Yeah. And I'm um, growing up in Chicago. Chicago's a city of hustles, you know, so it makes sense that you went from, you know, what kind of candy you like and making sure you had the right candy for people to moving into a bigger hustle, which was which was weed. Um, first off, what made you what made you what led you to the point where feeling like me hustling weed can make me money? And what made you you know, what was that experience like when you was a young when you was a young and trying to move this? It was a friend of mine. Right. We were in middle school. I had a friend. His, his name was Amon. His older brother was growing. So we were just always like at their houses hanging out. Like I ain't even, honestly, I ain't know nothing about we. I was just like, what, what, what y'all doing? He's like, bro, I just grew this private, everybody. You know, I've seen people smoke it, but I was not that, that educated about it. So I was just like, okay, this gonna make me money? He's like, yeah, bro. I like, I bet if it's gonna make me money. That's all I knew as a kid. It was just like, bro, it was like, yeah, everybody's smoking. And I seen the demand for it. And my boy was growing it, so I was like, okay, I couldn't afford it. He's like, bro, I'll spot, spot you the product, and we split the profit. You know what I mean? You pay me back what you owe me, and you keep the profit. I was like, I bet. And and that's how it was. It was just young kids. My my middle school, his older brother was in high school, about to be in college, and, and that's what he was doing. So that, that's how I initially got started. Man, and then at age 13, you found yourself arrested, actually, for selling weed. Uh, did. How did that how did that moment actually impact you at that second? I mean, I know you were 13, but was that one of those reflective moments where you, you started to think to yourself, like, what's the day after? Like, what am I supposed to do after this? Yeah, it, it, it definitely like, you know, because I also came to the United States as an undocumented immigrant. So I'm a DECA child. Oh. Right. So so it was a whirlwind of emotion because I'm thinking I'm about to get deported. And I don't know nothing about Africa. Like, I've been here for so long. Like, it felt like I, I was accustomed to America. So, uh, for me, it was just, it was a whirlwind of emotion. I didn't know how to feel. And um, I was scared. My parents beat the shit out of me. Like, I'm about beating them. Boy, you know, my parents believe in whooping. So, I'm going to think about the whooping I'm about to get. 
And I'm like, oh my God, you know, she, wow, it's so funny because she speak our language. My stepmom speak like Yoruba. So while we at the police station and she refused to come pick me up from the police station, she said he could sleep there. Like she said, I'm not coming. And the police officer had to tell them like, you have to come. So she finally came. And when she was there, yo, she was just speaking to me in our language, like, so I'm sitting there. I'm like, the police officer might as well just keep me here because I'm, I'm safer here than I am back home. And I already knew it. So it, it was a, uh, it was more of like the discipline aspect and the ass whooping I knew I was about to get when I stepped in that house that terrified me most. And uh, uh, you know what? I'm alive. Um, I didn't yeah. die. Um, and so, but it, it was a, it was a scary moment for me. Boy, that was hilarious, man. <laughs> well, I'm Yo. glad you didn't make it out. I, I understand. It sounds like every African parent on earth, man. <laughs> Yo, they are like people don't understand. African parents believe in whoopers. Like I'm talking, hey, like my dad was ba ba ba. Like they, they don't play life, you know? man. But you know, it made you into something. You know, and eventually you did become the person who took fifty thousand dollars and turned it into a multi million dollar business. Um, speak yeah. to us about how you were introduced to Elevate and what, 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 where did the concept come from, and how did you find yourself involved? Yeah, um, I I was working at a corporate job and I wanted to create generational wealth. I was always an entrepreneur. I was always moving, selling TV, throwing parties. I was doing something, but um, I saw I was in Washington State and I saw the cannabis industry just unfold in front of my eyes. And I saw the amount of revenues that was generating and I saw the lack of minority presence. And also, I'm a kid with no college degree. And I felt like how many African-Americans are in my shoes right now that feel like this is not obtainable, like they can't actually get to this. Um, so I wanted to be a beacon of hope and I, I wanted to prove to myself that even with all my life circumstances, all my life setback, I can still do this. I can, I'm, I'm brave enough to fail, but I, I'm, I'm smart enough to, to win, you know? Um, so I just, I did tangible steps, right? I, I created Elevate because it was like, what, 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 what do you think about when you think, when you hear Elevate, it's just more of a higher spirit, a higher wavelength, uh, a, you know, a higher way of living, you know? So Elevate would just came out like that. And um, I wanted to elevate our customers and elevate people around me. Um, so I, I pursued uh, my dream um, of opening up a cannabis shop. Like I said earlier, I got rejected for two years. I had a location the, that, you know, found out there was 998 square footage away from the K-12 after getting approval. So we had to <laughs> bro. So it was just so many different curveballs that was thrown at us to defeat me. Um, like, you know, I would drive eight hours from uh, from state of Washington to Oregon, then from Oregon back to the Washington state. So because um, Washington state was a lottery market and they give out all the licenses. Right. So Oregon was more of a saturated market where you didn't have a residency requirement. You didn't have so forth and so on. So it was more about I, I wanted to. I wanted to get after my dream and my passion and also show people that look like me that it was possible because a lot of times we, we don't, we don't know it's possible until we see someone that came from our story, similar stories as us 
to be like, if that dude could do it, and no way, like, you know, I, like I have some boys in Boston right now when, you know, he was my real estate agent. He's, he's just got approved to open a license in the city of Boston. He was my real estate agent. And he's like, yo, Shell, if you could do this, I can do it. Asian dude, like black dude. Like, I was like, damn, everybody's like, if he could do it, I could do it. And that's what I want. It was facts. There's nothing special about me. Nothing at all. The only thing was decision and execution. And I wanted to show our people that. And a lot of times, you know, we, we miseducated or, or this and that, or we're not given the proper information to give us the ability to go after these things. So I wanted to debunk that theory by not just hearing what he say, she said, but actually living through it, understanding the laws and being able to bring it back to my people. Yeah, man. And I think you you touched on a real good point about representation matters. Like it's, it's very important that we see brothers like yourself in a position in the positions that you are, because we're oversaturated with images of brothers like ourselves laying on the ground with handcuffs on us, especially when it comes to cannabis. Like I mentioned often how when I first started going to panels or I first started going to conferences, you would see so many slides and images of black people being thrown against police cars in order to tell you about the war on drugs but you wouldn't see any black faces having these, these conversations. So it always came back to me that you're not gonna get anybody involved until you start seeing people who look like them, who look like you getting involved. Um, knowing that now, and with the position that you are now, how important is it for you to be that representation of a black man in cannabis, that you are being somebody who most likely people are looking at and saying, I can do that too now? No, it's very important. Now, if you ever look at my social media page, I, I give out game. I give everything back because it's not, it's not, you know, money is great. Um, you know, I want more so I can give more. You get what I'm saying? I feel like I've been through a lot, um, uh, but I've also had a really amazing um, people that, that, you know, God in the universe really placed in my life um, that, that, that helped me be the man that I am today. And I've, I, and I failed a lot. So, um, my thing is I try to give as much back to our people as much as possible so they don't make the same mistake as, as I did. And, and, and they could expedite their, their process of going after these licenses and actually being able to win. Yeah. Um, let's circle back to um, Elevate. What do you feel like makes Elevate so a unique dispensary, especially um, when you know that there's other spots and there's other places people can go? Like what makes the, the, the Elevate experience unique to a user? Yeah, we, we tailor every uh, customer. We understand that every customer needs is different. And we, we focus on educating and treating everyone like gold. So it doesn't matter how much you come in to spend. We still treat you like you're spending a thousand, two thousand. Like, you know, we treat you like gold. Um, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I, I look at every customer. What if that was my mom? you know, type of saying, what if that was my brother? Like, I, I love my family hard, heavy. And if, if someone comes to my, my dispensary and they need medication to solve a problem, I want to make sure that we take the time and, and we show them the capacity and we treat them like gold um, to, to get them the medication they need to, 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 um, to uh, elevate uh, whatever um, they're going through. Do you have any role models in the industry who you're able to speak to and kind of get advice, advice about business or advice just about being a black person in this space? Like, are there any people that you could reach out to or that you do consistently? Um, you know, I, I reach out to a lot of people that that I respect as business, um, that I respect their stories, their hustle. 
Uh, Wanda James is, is someone that I really respect. Hope Wiseman is someone that I really respect. Uh, my boy from Magic Hour, Cannabis, uh, Will, um, you know, I have Just Incredibles, uh, Tito Jackson, um, you know, just so many different people that I see and I hear their story and their resilience um, res resonate with me and, you know, just talking to them and, and seeing that, you know, they're going through it, I'm going through it but us sharing what worked, what hasn't worked um, to continue to grow each other is, is beautiful. Yeah. You know, social equity is, is clearly a hot topic in the industry. Uh, we, we're, we're, it's, it's definitely a need to get more diversity and more diverse faces behind the scenes when it comes to cannabis. Um, but there, there's, a whole, there's a whole group of people who will say that social equity does a lot. And there's a group of people who say social equity is doing absolutely nothing. Um, what is your opinion? I mean, again, social equity does differ from state to state, but what is your opinion about social equity and what do you feel like it does well and what do you think you could, it could do better? I think social equity is, you know, it's not a race, it's a marathon, um, you know, and I think that Massachusetts is still one of my favorite states when it comes to social equity, um, just because I've been through a lot of states and as much as people might knock on Massachusetts, I'm looking at it from a lens of other states and then come into Massachusetts. Like, guys, you have MCAD that like legitly lobbied to make sure that delivery license were exclusive for minorities and it stayed that way for three years and they won. Do you know how powerful that is, yo? Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you understand how, yo, look, I don't think people understand. That's a real flex. Is. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like just us, like that is some boss shit. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? So what, what, what I would say about Massachusetts is Massachusetts is forward thinking. They're the whole state of Massachusetts, the people elected in Massachusetts really are minority focused, really are trying to change the narrative of ownership. And their cities, like, let me say this, in other states that I've seen, their cities, little small cities, big cities, they're really focused on the initiative. But I've never seen a state that said, you know what, here's what the f is gonna happen. We need minorities, we need ownership, and this needs to take place, or there's going to be consequences. That's what's so impressive about Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think over time, you're going to see more and more minority businesses open up in that state. Minority, I, 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 that's honestly minority. Uh, Massachusetts as a state is the gold standard when it comes to minority ownership. What they did very strategically, they put a cap on total amount of licenses given out to corporation. Corporations can only own three, three retail dispensaries. That's it. If you wanna own more, you can only own 9.9% .9 equity stake. That's it. When you're looking at funding a business that is minority owned or social equity or economic empowerment, they have to own X amount of percentage in equity. Massachusetts actually look at their agreement and then say, is it fair or is it not fair? And if it's not fair, guess who is in favor to the social equity applicant? So it's now forcing big corporations to do the right thing. 
if you want to partner up with minorities, you can't just use them as a front to say you're doing this. You actually have to mean and do what you say. So, you know, as much as people talk about Massachusetts, look, it's my favorite state um, when it comes to social equity. That's it. Look, applaud my home state, man. Let me tell you, growing up in Boston, I used to skip school and I would go downtown Boston and you would always see a protest of some sort. I tell people, man, my city, man, we, we are, every single one of us is a, we need to speak to the manager right now. Every one of, <laughs> every one of us will shake the table about something. No, nah, Massachusetts don't play. No, no, they don't. They don't. I said that for forever. Like, you got to grow up in the city. You got to grow up in the state to understand that they don't play, man. I tell people, different states I live, Oregon taught me how to be a hippie. Chicago taught me how to be a hustler. Boston, Massachusetts taught me how to be a politician mm. in so many ways. Like, you, in, in the sense of you got to lobby, you got to vocalize, you got to mobilize, and you can't be scared. Yeah. Facts, man. Facts, man. Much love to Massachusetts, man. I'll be back. She'll be back home in another month. So I can't wait to see everybody. Um, when you thought about, you know, have we ever thought about the fear of failure? Um, you know, especially coming from your background, being being somebody in corporate America. But first you had your brushes and you brushes with the law when it came to cannabis. When you thought about opening up Elevate, were you scared of failing for any reason? You know, thinking about your own background or even thinking about getting another beating. Were you thinking about what was there ever a failure there? Man, I was scared every day. Um, to, 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 I was scared every day, but the more and more I just kept moving, I, even with my fear, you know, like I was, I was walking up, but inside I was shaking, yeah. but I was taking a step every single time because as much as I was scared, I was also passionate. And I knew that if I didn't keep going that, you know, I would never know what the potential would be if I just stopped here because I'm scared. Yeah, thanks, man, bro. Well, I'm glad you kept going. You know, you're definitely an inspiration for another generation. Um, before we get out of here, can you let people know how they can connect with you or how they can learn more about you online? How can they learn more about Elevate? Yeah, uh, check us out on um, Elevate Cannabis on all social media platform. Uh, personally, for me, it's CannaBSC on IG and all of the social uh, platforms. So um, check out uh, our website, elevatecannabis.com. You can reach out to us if you need to. Um, but once again, bro, thank you so much for having me. I'm a fan of your show, a fan of what you're doing. I love over here, man. Appreciate you, man. Again, we got to get you in Atlanta one day, get you live in studio with us. Hey, man, let's do it, man. I am trying to get elevated with y'all. Y'all look like y'all fun. Yeah, we do, man. Again, Atlanta's a different place, man. Like, we live in a Wakanda bubble or something. Like, our, our, our existence has been wild different than everybody else's COVID. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, man. And um, thank you again. And this is Cash Color Cannabis, a high level of conversation. And we out. Peace. Peace.